0: All right, friends, uh, this is Pastor Ernie Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California, and I hope that all of you are doing good wherever, however, whichever way you're listening to this. You might be listening to this today. You might be listening to this a year later. Who knows? But the Word of the Lord is always the same, so that's the beauty of it. So I hope you enjoy this study. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. Uh, God's good order. Order is good, given to us by our Lord. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your very word. Lord, we know that you have given to us uh, your good word uh, to lead us, to guide us, uh, to live according to your name. Lord, bless us as we, in this faith, humbly submit uh, to your very word. We thank you, O Lord, for this day and for the bountiful blessings that you Continue to bestow on each and every one of us. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. What are we talking about today? Again, this is Pastor Ernie Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church. And a programming note, please join us on Sunday, uh, 8 a.m. for our live service there on YouTube Live. And uh, may that also go well with you. Uh, This Sunday, we are uh, speaking of uh, Hebrews chapter 3 in our sermon uh, pertaining to confidence. Confidence? Anyways, so join us for that. That'll be good. But in light of that, uh, why don't we um, proceed with confidence with God's word today in Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 25. Now, what is happening here? uh, Jesus... uh, Uh, The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, here the Lord does what? He commands them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, that is a good command, uh, for this is of God things, this is of divine things, and this is where, uh, as Luther would call it, this is a place to which uh, would be Adam's place to worship the Lord, his altar altar pulpit, and church. And there it would be. If you eat from this tree, uh, you shall surely die. So, with that uh, command, uh, he proceeds right here in verse 18. Verse 18. All right. Let us read together, if you have your Bible out. Genesis 2, verse 18. Let's begin. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. All right. So, then the Lord God said, It is not good that man shall be alone. Right? It's not good. It is not good that that man needs a helper that is word fit for him right again what is the title of our series today god's good order what is fit for man are is it animals is it another creature what what is fit for man and uh, again uh, even furthermore is god knows what is good for man man was not consulted Right, on his thoughts about companionship. It wasn't uh, um, Adam who was saying uh, at that very moment, uh, come on, Lord, uh, give me a companion. No, God knew by his design that he needed a helper. From the Ish to the Isha, uh, man needed the helper. Man needed particularly woman. This is God's gracious design in so many different ways. In a sense of companionship, but also be fruitful and multiply biologically. This is how procreation would uh, would exist uh, is through man and woman, right? Uh, very important that we see it, especially in this day and age, where again, uh, gender sexuality uh, always always an interesting conversation uh, with. Uh, with the world, uh, with the flesh, and with man. Anyways, so similarly to the birds of the air and the fish living in water, again, all these things like fish in the water, birds of the air, uh, man needs uh, something else to be complete, and that is uh, a woman. Not only fit for him, but also for The increase in humanity. It's interesting because when we speak of life and procreation, the the interesting thing is is that this is God's design. This is how uh, God created man. This is how the world would increase in number by that being fruitful and multiply, as our first first parents were called to do, and that's what they did, right? Uh, But at the end of the day, even after the fall, it is this, even after the fall in Genesis chapter 3, it is through birth, the incarnation, again, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, that life would come into this world, begotten of the Father, uh, begotten, not made, again, Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, would come to this world to give life to all the world. Right? It's just kind of the big picture of things is from uh, the procreation, But also through, eventually, uh, the birth of Christ through the conceiving of the Holy Spirit and the incarnation, there uh, in the womb of Mary would be life that would uh, enter into this world, but also life that would give life to the world by His death and resurrection, his sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. So again, when we talk about God's good order, God's good design, God knows, he is the architect, he is the all-knowing Lord who, who does what? Uh, who, who very well knows uh, how everything is to be, right? So he is definitely here showing us clearly that this is what is good for man, and at the end of the day, this is what is good for humanity, and this is what would come in the life of Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Again, very important, right? Uh, Jesus was not created by man, right? But rather, uh, Jesus was begotten of the Father, uh, sent from the Father, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born in the virgin birth, uh, to give life as he entered life, uh, to the world, right? Okay, so this is, um, this is again, God's, God's work. This is God's knowing beforehand what is good for man, right? Again, points to who is the actor, who is the doer, and as recipients of that, who we thank for all that we have to realize daily bread as we uh, talk about the catechism, uh, that we realize that all things come from God, that we realize that we are thanking God for all that we have. Sometimes we forget God's good order and design and provisions as we uh, fail to give thanks to Him. So, clearly, uh, when we talk about what God knows and what is good for man, God knows. And he, he actually uh, uh, knows uh, and he actually will deliver it soon thereafter. All right, verse 19 to 20. Why don't we look at that? Why don't we read this together if you have your Bible out? Verses 19 to 20 of Genesis chapter 2. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So, again, uh, God is bringing these animals to man. Now, this is very Im- I- interesting, right? Uh, to see that Adam, in his, in his pre-fall wisdom, pre-fall mental uh, process, uh, intellect, capacity, could actually name animals. Let I me mean, think about that. Luther would say Since we do not possess a knowledge even of the natures of the animals, what their abilities and activities are, it is not surprising that we have no knowledge of God. There was a different light in Adam who, as soon as he viewed an animal, Came into possession of a knowledge of its entire nature and abilities, and moreover, a far better one than we can acquire even when we devote an entire life to research into these things. Right? So again, you know, when we talk about Adam's light before the fall, he had the possession, uh, the entire uh, ability to see the nature of these animals and to classify and to name them. Again, in this day and age, uh, we see wh- what is the world trying to do, trying to figure out how this world was created. And, and scientists are trying their best to figure out by their human capacity, whether it's evolution, whether it's uh, all these other f- theories uh, of how this world was made, again... We very well know that God created all things that he made this world and there Adam was doing what he was classifying them. That's how pristine his intellect and mind was. This is a, a a glimpse of what this pre fall humanity was all about. Right? God brought him the animals and he named them again not only does he name them, but also, as we know in the Bible, as we'll soon talk about, uh, there uh, he has full dominion over them, right? It, it shows the hierarchy that man is definitely different than animals and other creatures, that that man is definitely above, that he has dominion. And that, again, there is a different distinction. We, we talk about, uh, what is it? We talk about how the Lord simply says, okay, there's these animals in the water and the air, uh, be fruitful and multiply, right? It's very kind of just like that. (laughs) But for man and woman, this is a very different thing there, as we'll soon see in the later verses of our study today, uh, that there is a bigger picture. There is man and woman. There is marriage. There is uh, this call. So again, uh, as we see this picture, Adam, humanity, exercises their authority over animals. Um, again, um, and animals, as we realize here, uh, are definitely not a fit for Adam, right? Again, verse 20, but for Adam, there was not, a found, there was not found a helper fit for him, right? Um, that he needed something else. And who would provide this for him? Of course, the Lord. Why don't we read here verses 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Right, so the Lord God caused. Right. That's, that's a big thing right here. So again, right here, we would write, sorry, I I should use my whiteboard, authority, uh, that he had uh, the knowledge um, in the image of God, which means he had power, in a sense, um, in in his uh, given by God uh, to do these very things. But anyways, uh, verse 21 to 22, it's all about the cause. Who caused this? God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs. Right? Um, This is interesting, because in what God causes, there, in his meticulous and most unique way, from the rib. Why not from the dust? Why didn't it say, God took from the dust yet again, and made the woman, right? That's interesting. That's the key. Why not dust? I mean, he did it with Adam, right? <laughs> Why not do it uh, again with Eve? I mean, it makes sense, right? You and I both. I mean, if we were, if we were God, let's say, and and we and we're not God. Let's be real, right? Well, we 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 think sometimes we're little gods, but we're we're not, right? Uh, we're just. Uh, We're children of God, redeemed by his blood. But the point is, is, sorry, I'm getting off track here. The point is, is that, wait, what was I saying? Yeah, God causes all things, including this distinctive design. Not from the dust is what we would assume, yes, As little gods, right? Of course. I mean, he did it that way. He should do it again. As separate entities. But no. What does he do? From the rib. Now, why is that important? Again, number one. God causes. We'll get back to it. I skipped a part. Deep sleep. Who's in a deep sleep? Adam. What does this mean? It means that God is doing the work. Adam is simply receiving the gift of God, and this is in the form of a companion, in the form of a helper, and that is the Isha, the woman, right? So when we talk about God causes the deep sleep, Adam again shows us this whole God-to-man provision. This is the relationship that we have with God, God giving to us. Uh, uh, humanity, creation, redemption, sanctification. But the second part is, by God's cause, in his design and good order, uh, what do we see? We see he takes from the rib. Not dust, but from the rib. Why is that so important? Because this shows, simply, the picture of oneness, right? Right? The picture of oneness. But also it shows, between man and woman. but also it shows the radical nature of God and how he creates. Right? Think about that. I mean, this is the point where, as Luther would say, the more it seems to conflict with all experience and reason, the more carefully must it be noted and the more surely believed. I mean, human nature, human wisdom says, what, this can't be from the rib? I mean, that's not, that, that can't be, I mean, you know, how can that be? But here we rest upon God's word, and there he creates, from the dust of Adam, um, Adam was born, from the dust Adam was born, from the rib Eve was born. And there we see this whole picture of Adam, Eve, and life, right, and that life consists of oneness, communion, right, the picture of marriage. Again, marriage is something that I think a lot of people, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different picture we have in this post-fall day and age, right, um, and well, Why don't we just continue here and we'll talk about it? Because Adam gives a great word here. Um, Yes. Uh, He says right here in verse 23, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You know, I remember Al Bundy, right? Uh, Married with children. Uh, on, on Channel 11, I remember uh, that TV show. And, and marriage is per- portrayed uh, in such a very burdensome way, right? Uh, marriage is always portrayed in a very adversarial way. Uh, marriage was, all, was portrayed as one of angst, as even one of regret. Um, even this day and age, um, whether it's back then and now, we, we see all these reality TV shows, all these TV shows that portray marriage in, in, in such a different way, whether it's simply of lust, uh, simply of conditions, uh, simply of all these different ways we view marriage. Uh, but God gives us the good, go- good order of marriage, and that is uh, uh, Matthew nineteen six. 6. What God has uh, put together, or joined together, let not man separate. Because the picture of marriage, according to God's design, is of oneness. When we see our spouse, we are seeing ourselves in a sense. Remember, what does it say in Ephesians 5? Why don't we turn there real quick? And this is another picture of, that, uh, of this out of rib, bone to bone, flesh to flesh. And here we see another picture of marriage. In Ephesians 5. And here we see, pertaining to husbands loving their wives, um, verse 28 of Ephesians chapter 5, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever heeded his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies because they are of the same oneness, from the rib, bone to bone, flesh To flesh. Out of the man came the woman, and there they are one." This is the picture of God's good order in marriage. It is under God, under his name, under his provision, as God joins together man and woman, and there in that oneness they they are uh, to love and serve. Again, sixth commandment, uh, do not commit adultery, uh, but rather uh, it is in this call that we uh, love and serve husband and wife, but it is in that oneness where we see the picture of what God's, God has ordered in the gift of marriage. Very important to uh, apply this to your own marriage, let's say if you're married, or if you're in, this, uh, uh, or if you're in the premarital process of, of looking forward to marriage, to see this is God's gift to you right? The world will portray marriage in so many different ways, Um, and it's easy to get lost in them, or it's easy to catch on and say, oh yeah, that's marriage too. It's all about me. It's all about uh, two people trying to figure it out. No, this is all about this oneness under God's word in his good order, and there who is trying to tear that apart, of course, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Right? We go back to this Genesis two twenty three, and we remember this is what our marriage is in the midst of all the sinful nature that two people bring to the table. This is what marriage is under the blood of Christ, who came to this world in his death and resurrection to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And in marriage, this is where that oneness is. It is in uh, the, the, the gift of Christ and his forgiveness for each and every one of you. This is the picture of marriage. That is why marriage is joyful, because it's God who provided, and God is good, and he gives you these very gifts. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, verse 24. Again, this is another uh, a good topic here. In verse 24 why don't we read it therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and fold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh okay so he number one pick Adam uh, he, he gives us that picture of that oneness but now in that oneness what does it look like first number one what do you do you leave father and mother that means you go from one nest to another right doesn't mean that you desert your parents. It means simply that you are leaving one household and with your spouse, with your wife, there you are in. Cleave, hold fast to wife. Three. You are one flesh. This is the order, right? Now, very important when we talk about God's gift of order, right? Our sinful nature loves what? Disorder. Our sinful nature loves what? To do as we please according to our own fleshly sinful nature. And sometimes we take this out of order. Sometimes we fail to never leave father and mother in a sense where our parents, our in laws, have their hand somehow in the marriage of their children. And we know how complicated uh, that can be. It's not so in my case, but I know I've heard many stories, right, uh, of how that can be very complicated when the in-laws are still kind of controlling or dictating their children's marriage. It's, it's a very complicated thing. I won't go any further, but you know what I'm talking about in some way, shape, or form. Um, But here we see hold fast to life. So sometimes, you know, when we talk about premarital, uh, uh, especially in the premarital uh, area of life, uh, you know, living together before marriage, cohabitating is a very kind of common thing now, right? Uh, Living apart uh, seems, according to this world, as something that is archaic, something that is old-fashioned, something that just no one does anymore. But again, when we start disordering God's order, what happens? We become God. Our relationship becomes not what God has given to us, but rather what we think our relationship is. If we are uh, uh, partaking, let's say, in a premarital um, uh, sexual relation, a lot of, you know, as we, as we see this happening uh, many times, the relationship becomes about the physical, the relationship becomes about the flesh. And soon enough, the relationship is built upon that very flesh. And when a relationship is built upon flesh, you and I very well know that if that's the case, that's definitely a very challenging and at risk of further complication in the sense of if this is what we're built upon, the flesh, um, then um, when things go awry, what do we do? Right? Again, see, that's the subtlety that that I think we fail to see it is a sense of what our relationships are built upon. And here, when we talk about built upon God and his word, there we proceed, and there we go in this order, knowing that, yes, we are to leave our father and mother. Yes, we are to be married. Yes, we are to be of one flesh. And that is uh, to enjoy the gift that God has given to us, uh, um, not only in um, our own um, sexuality, but also or in a sexual activity, but also in, um, being fruitful and multiply, uh, for having children. Um, this is, this is all the order. Okay. This is the order. simply uh, put like God gives Adam um, and Eve order I- in the garden. And when they fall to this order, we know that sin comes in the world, but also we see what happens in their marriage. That they're starting to blame each other, that they're starting to point fingers, and we see what sin brings to the table, right? So again, you know, when we talk about the order of marriage, it's not simply this is a old-fashioned, or this is something that, well, uh, we, the world used to do a long time ago, or this biblical order of marriage is, is way out of, uh, have, has long since gone since our culture has continued, Uh, to go in this way. No, this is the order to which, because this is where God gives us that good order. Remember that, right? And when this is the case, as you continue, um, and if you do fall short of this, uh, there's always, of course, repentance and forgiveness, right? There's always confessing of our sins and praying that the Lord will uh, grant us uh, His forgiveness and and as we rest in the blotting blood of Jesus to, to lead us to take heed to His very Word, right? Because at the end of the day, what makes a successful marriage is one that is built on God's Word, not necessarily on feelings, not, sense, not, not necessarily on our hobbies or our common things, but rather on God's Word. That's the bottom line. This is God's good order about marriage, that it's built upon the promise of Christ his word and the order to which he gives to us right and and if you see the subtlety of how the devil continues to kind of twist that what you'll see is that he his ultimate goal is to twist the view of what this relationship between man and woman is all about because his twist is what it's about you it's all about you rather than god who has joined you together. It's God who provides you this spouse. It is God who provides you all things, right? It becomes about you. And when it becomes about you, then how easy it is to, like our first parents, point the finger, blame, and, and start that whole cycle of resentment, conflict, challenge, whatever it may be, because if, after all, we are sinners. And that is our, yeah, that's kind of our inclination at times in life, especially in the closest relationship in marriage. So remember, think about this. And, 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 and for those who aren't married yet, you know, as the world is saying all these things, go back to Scripture. What does it say? Right, right here. Right? Um, for those who are married, uh, let's say I'm just kind of spinning the wheels in marriage. Go back and, and look at this Scripture and say, what is our relationship all about? Because our human eyes always gravitate to self, right? When in fact, when we read scripture, that's right. This is who God placed in my life to love and serve and to care for, right? According to his word, according to his order, because we live under his name, right? Help us, O Lord, to live according to your word, right? Anyways, okay. Verse 25, as we conclude today. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, what is this picture? You know, nakedness is what? In our society, we always cover up. Uh, Nakedness is one of vulnerability. Uh, Nakedness is one of uh, embarrassment or humiliation, right? Uh, No one... Uh, uh, yeah, nakedness is, is definitely uh, the opposite of what Adam and Eve had. That their nakedness was, before the fall, one of great innocence. There was no humili- humiliation, there was no embarrassment, but this is what they were. They were, not, uh, they were not shameful, but this is what God had given them, and they were joyful in their innocence. Again, this will turn over, this will capsize quickly in Genesis chapter 3, where we see in Genesis 3, 7, if you turn there, it says, She took of its fruit and ate, pertaining to the tree knowledge of good and evil, and also she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Their eyes were opened. They saw their nakedness, and they saw their shame. They saw their sin. No longer were they innocent, right? So, here in Genesis 2, before the fall, we see God's good order before that fall. We see what it ought to be, that God gives gives Adam a, a helper that is fit for him, God gives authority for man to have dominion over the animals and also to name them. God provides the helper for him, right? As God is the cause for not only his helper, Eve, but also this marriage, this procreation, this humanity. God gives all things to the world. God also gives us the order of what marriage looks like because we know in this day and age when two sinners get together, what reconciles them always? It's always Christ, right? But yet, at the same time, the opposite, or the uh, the opposite of that, is that we are two sinners who are coming together, and, and there we have many uh, different ideas of what marriage is, right? Uh, and in this fallen mind, how stubborn, how prideful, how arrogant we can be, as we play the adversary, as we play it as burden, as we play it as great angst and cold war and resentment when, in fact, when we look at this Scripture, it gets us out of ourselves, gets us back to the good order of God, and we see that picture of naked and not ashamed. This is God's good order. right? Does sin try to make it messy? Of course it does. But when we take heed to God's Scripture, His Word, there we repent, there we seek His forgiveness, there we rest in Christ, and and there we have um, as we le- see His Word, the gift uh, of what He has designed for us. So remember that this day. A lot of stuff there. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, and thank you for joining me today. Yeah, 34 minutes. We'll stop there. All right. Until next time, we'll see you next Friday for Genesis chapter 3. Let us pray. dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you give uh, from creation to, uh, to man and woman to marriage Uh, to, uh, to the gift and the joy of what you have brought together. Lord, bless our households. Lead us, O Lord, in this word of faith. And Lord, through all things, grant us the joy, knowing full well that you have designed and that your order is good. Grant us faith to follow your word and to be led by your Spirit. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for joining me today on this Friday, Genesis 2, 18 to 25. Please, if you've missed any of it, go back, replay it, and study it. Because God's good design, wow, what a wonder it is. Enjoy this day. Love you all. Praying for you all. And remember, you are forgiven of all your sins through Christ Jesus alone. Amen to that. Until next time, have a wonderful day. God bless you. Adios and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.